You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 110 of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Moore, joined by co-host Dakota Davis and a guy named Chase Payton. What's up? <laughs> Today's episode features the very esteemed author and professor of economics at Indiana University Southeast, Mr. Eric Schonsberg. Did Sean- I say that correctly? Eric Schonsberg. Schonsberg. Okay. Uh, we are going to be talking to Eric about uh, mainly Andrew Yang, the Democrat presidential candidate who is proposing universal basic income. And we're uh, Eric wrote a really good paper about it, a really good article. Uh, so we wanted to bring him on to uh, give us some more insight into this uh, platform piece. And then uh, we will also be talking about the city of Newcastle closing its offices on Tuesday, May the 7th, which is the day for the primary election. So uh, make sure you stick around to the end for the little bit of local news, but we have a good show for you today. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we will provoke you. Other times we'll just make you laugh. Hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, very excited to be here with you guys. Uh, do you want to send some thank yous really quickly? Uh, we're getting all kinds of complaints in the Facebook chat. I, I assume producer Chris is efforting very hard trying to figure out what's going on. He looks uncomfortable, so I think he's, that means he's working. Um, Got to thank Chris Bilbrey, Brant Spicer, Christy Avery, John Phillips, and Craig DeCosta for uh, for helping us out. Chris Bilbrey, want to give you a special shout-out. Uh, you got the interview we haven't been able to do. I was out in California last mm-hmm. last Friday, but I saw that the uh, president, or the, vi- the president, the vice president, and Congressman Pence yes. all were together, and he actually got to meet Greg Pence. He's not just a cardboard cutout. He actually met him. He scored the, the very elusive congressman that we have not been able to get since the primary election. Uh, it's been... It's been a wild roller coaster. So, Chris, congratulations on that achievement. Also, uh, those people are on the Patreon uh, site that supports us and helps us pay our bills for this studio. You guys are all awesome. Um, if you want to sign up on Patreon, then the membership started only five dollars a month, and that is uh, that is of course how we how we keep this show going and how we keep it improving. Uh, patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty if you don't want to support monthly but you still feel like you should uh, give something to the show then we greatly appreciate that as well you can do it on the amazon wish list uh com, which are, has our merchandise stores and then of course we have a gofundme set up so that we can get a, a new and improved camera set up so that whenever eric is over here and he's talking about universal basic income and he's uh going digging down deep then we can have a camera set right up on him and you can really Really get into the show, so if you want to, if you want to help support that, then then uh, GoFundMe is the place to do it. All right, we're gonna let Guffy uh, Guffy get bailed out and have Dakota go over there and figure out what's going on real quick. Uh oh, with the uh, with the live feed and uh, Chase and I are broadcasting professionals. We will. Oh yes, uh, we will. We'll talk to Eric here for a few minutes and and carry the show. No worries whatsoever. Yes, Chase. Um, what's up, man? Welcome back. Oh, thanks. Your uh, your absence has is, been noted. Is my uh, 
Suspension over? I think your suspension is over. Um, Sweet. We probably need to renegotiate your terms of employment. Okay. More money. Um, uh, Give double. me that moolah. We can we can offer to double your previous salary. Okay. And uh, deal. You have to. The problem is, is you have to stop cursing. You you use certain words before the eight o'clock number, and we we had an agreement. What if I take my old salary, but I can still cuss occasionally? I don't know. What do you think, Eric? Does that sound fair? I'd give him, give him another title. Uh, uh, assistant to the host. Assistant to the deputy. Deputy. Regional assistant deputy. to the regional manager. You you did want to be on sports. Did you prepare any sports for us tonight as final thoughts? Yeah, I can throw something Do you have draft together. analysis or anything? Yeah. Uh, the you, Bears drafted a running back. Okay. You you brought us a, a welcome back gift. It looks like a... It looks like the Colts, such a good sports <laughs> section. Yeah. The Colts drafted some player I'd never heard of. The Colts traded out of the first round. So. Sure did. Right to here. The Redskins picked it up. Ooh. I'm going to be going to the Bears Redskins game. Is that in Chicago? No, it's in Washington. Can when, I go? When are you going? Uh, I think it's mid September. Why didn't tickets? I get an invite? I haven't I even bought the tickets yet, man. Some of us like football. We actually this might is go. me telling you about it. All right. Oh, good news. Why is... don't you ever reply in chat anymore? <laughs> He's that one guy in the group chat okay. that contributes nothing to the group chat. So when I got a regular amount of sleep, I still <laughs> never replied in the group chat. He stealed it. I still didn't. <laughs> So, anyways, now that I don't get any sleep, I see you guys messaging each other, and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I see how I see how uh, valuable our friendship is. I respect that. All right, that's enough. So hold on, hold on, hold on. So I got a cool gift for myself since I've been working two jobs. Which I want to say, screw all you guys that said I'd only last four weeks or two weeks <laughs> or one week. Because I'm on like 11 weeks. We're going to say 11. I, I'm not really I quite think sure. I think, I think it's, it's double 10. digits. I'm what going was, at least 12 weeks. What was the bet? 10 bucks? I, I don't it was know. Five. I it was the five. sad thing is... Do you, have change, five. do you have change for a 10? <laughs> here's the, here's the, $10. Congratulations on beating, on just, beating the number. put it down here. Maybe you so could, the sad thing is... If you're a good guy, is you the one that believed in me the most was Chrissy Avery. And you know my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, now I can quit. This is so uncomfortable. I, I just had to prove the point. We've I'm not even going to move this the rest of the night. All right, so I, I, I got a cool gift. All right. I got tickets to the Bears-Packers game, first game of the season on the 100th season of the NFL. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is That's that really in cool. Chicago? Yep. And, and who's going to that game? Me and my mom. Not bringing the girl? <laughs> <laughs> I told her I'd take her to Washington. She liked that better. There you go. She's been to Chicago. Yeah. Well, very good. We're glad to have you back for however long this lasts. Tonight. Yeah. If you drop <laughs> if you drop any more F-words your first episode back, then I'm going to have to suspend you again. I haven't dropped any F-words yet. I, Does that mean that, I get that one? was the warning. No. You uh, the first one, then you're off. French toast. We'll just have to we'll just have to uh, mute you over there. Freedom dividend. All right. So, <laughs> what was wrong over on the other side? What was broken? Uh, the 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 it, the, the microphone input on the iPad was swapped, so it was. So we were just talking through the. Uh, yeah, this only the iPad was picking it yeah. up. It's fixed now. Everything's okay. All right. So let's talk to Eric. Uh, Eric, uh, like I said in the Patreon portion, it's very handy whenever our, our guests have a wikipedia page whenever i'm writing the show notes if you're a patreon member you get uh, the show notes in advance and 
there's a handy link on your name that leads to your Wikipedia page. I I knew about you uh, like beforehand, and then I'm reading the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, holy cow, this guy's done it all. Like he, <laughs> you, you he's done, run for Congress. He's an author. He's a noted economist. He's got it all. Yeah, he got it all covered. Well, and and you he, have, was a, he used to run in the Derby as a as a jockey. I mean, he's done it all. <laughs> yeah, he's a little too tall. Too tall. <laughs> yeah. World's tallest jockey, everybody. You uh, but you have covered such a uh, eclectic group of topics, uh, and and you've you've taught so many of them, written about so many of them. Tonight, we are focusing on universal basic income or the freedom dividend. But you've uh, you are an established author in in many areas. Um. I, we could we could do a whole another two hours just you and I talking about the book of Joshua because you have written a commentary on that as well I believe yes so it's uh where where did you uh where did you start where did you uh, uh first find your place that you love teaching and writing well um hmm. I love teaching I think I've I've always loved to teach so uh, whether it's board games or bridge or two stepping or economics. So I think there's just something in me that just loves to teach. When I ran for office, same thing. I mean, it was an opportunity to teach and have a nice forum. When you're running for Congress as a libertarian, it's a, it's a messaging platform, yeah. right? I mean, you, you probably weren't going to beat Baron Hill or, uh, Mike or Mike Sodrell, right? but it was an opportunity to, to teach. Yeah. I told people it would take a second tier miracle for me to win this thing. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew it was an opportunity to talk to people and, yeah, talk to talk to people about the issues. So you did so well. President Bush had to fly in to to yes. save those guys against you. Yep. Uh, one one little thing I, I'll never I won't know I guess until uh, heaven. But uh, the Republicans never talked about Planned Parenthood funding until I ran on that topic. So and it was Mike Pence who actually made it an issue. He made it an issue, unfortunately, in two thousand ten. I think it was when they lost control of the House and and couldn't do anything with it anymore. But uh, I. If I had a quiet moment with Mike, I, I would want to know, you know, did me bringing up the issue in 06 and 08, you know, taking taxpayer money to give to Planned Parenthood, uh, that didn't used to get talked about. So I may have had a little contribution there. If, uh, if Mike Pence ever comes on the show, we'll ask him. Yes. <laughs> and he may not know. But. It, uh, for a long period of time, we, you and I talked before, uh, before the show about the influence we've had as running libertarians or running as libertarian candidates. And a lot of our times our ideas get stolen, right? Uh, a number of things that libertarians have advocated for over the over the course of the libertarian party uh, have become public policy, and not because libertarians were elected, but because the ideas won. Right. Um, so that's another another area where you govern- freedom of marriage, uh, ending the war on drugs, um, uh, uh, sometimes immigration uh, reform, things like that. It, sometimes not bombing people is popular, depending yeah. upon <laughs> depending Stop upon who's using not in my tax money to kill people. A great historical countries. example, I, I forget which year, I think it's 1928 that the, the Socialist Party, their entire platform became law within the next decade in the New Deal. And so I, I always take that as a bit of an inspiration. You know, you don't <laughs> yeah. have to win anything. I mean, the Socialists have never gotten more than a million votes, uh, uh, but but they were able to influence policy tremendously. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to win, uh, to win a lot, to build the party all those things. But the, the fact is people just don't pay that much attention to politics. It's a rigged system. I mean, we are really have an uphill battle in a lot of ways, but if we can influence the debate, I think it can, can make a big difference. And when you get on the stage and you get, a, you get on the platform is some, 
some places and some races you get treated differently. Right. Uh, you know, in, in Indiana, uh, thankfully, we have uh, ballot access as libertarians, but we also have automatic uh, because of the Indiana Debate Commission. Any statewide debate that's out there, um, our candidates for governor and senate get included. Congressional, it depends upon who's organizing a debate. Sometimes, if a local media outlet is there, they'll include the libertarian candidate. Sometimes they won't. It's, yeah. a, it's kind of a it's it's case by case situation. Yeah. So you'd asked about writing also. So that's another opportunity. So you, know, you were talking earlier about Rex writing those articles and how Absolutely. much that helped the the local parties. Uh, it's obviously a great opportunity to, to raise awareness of certain issues. So for a long time, I've written you know books and journal articles and kind of the official stuff, but I've always. Uh, been had my fingers in the op-ed, you know, pile as well because I think I think people read that stuff. It can influence uh, the debate and it lets people know we're out there and get some thinking about stuff. And right. with with your position as a uh, as an educator, at, you know, at, at IU, uh, you're very likely to get published. And I know just in in April you had a uh, you had one on college admissions that, that was very very influential or interesting. Uh, and then the one that uh, probably got you booked today uh, is this conversation about the freedom dividend or universal basic income. Yeah, so uh, we how, had a. How many had, papers do you do you get published in on average? If you send something out, is it ten or twenty, or is a lot of the local small paper, like the 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 county papers? I don't, uh, I send my stuff through. Uh, there's an organization called Indiana Policy Review Foundation out of mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, and they distribute all the local papers. So I, I think it's dozens that we get into. So occasionally we get into, say, the Indy Star, the Courier Journal, uh, Business First. I, I had, a, had a Wall Street Journal article like a decade ago. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but it just gets sent out. And, you know, every once in a while I'll get a, a Google hit, you know, yeah. saying my name popped up in Spencer, Indiana or something like that. <laughs> so I think it shows up in lots of places. So the Wall Street Journal, you didn't try to get it in there. No, we just, did. Okay, you, yeah, you said submitted it to them and asked. It was actually on the property tax thing back here in uh, 2007. So the Wall Street Journal wants either quirkier things or things of local interest that can be a national story. So the property tax fight uh, back in 07 was a big deal. Right. That's a, that's what we've built our model on: <laughs> local issues and national impact. That's uh, that's exactly what uh, th- what the show has Wind evolved farms. into. So, I think, you know. You know, I love being a teacher. I, I teach vocationally. I teach as a career. And uh, there's a discipleship curriculum that, that we put together. And uh, you know, one part of that is working with people to become teachers. And sometimes the, they will say, well, I'm not a teacher. And I'll say, well, first of all, you don't know what you're going to be in the future, what God might do with you. But second, we're all teachers. Yeah. You know, and how, I think, do, how do you know? What does that mean? Yeah, right? and, yeah. and we're, we're all teaching kids. We're teaching right now. And so... We should become better teachers as libertarians. It's not just a matter of, you know, uh, knocking on doors. I mean, all that, all that stuff's important, but we need to get more effective at explaining ourselves to people. And that's what the heart of teaching is. So teaching and writing, I think, are, are both opportunities that if we'll, you know, work on it and get better at it, we can have a greater influence. The, the reach of, it, I feel very blessed to be in the era we're in now. Or we can have an idea and start a podcast, mm-hmm. and, and people are listening in their cars as they drive across the country, and they're watching on they're watching on their TVs right now with Facebook Live, and they're watching with YouTube, and you know, and it, it, there's just so many different platforms to consume uh, consume this. It's it's phenomenal, uh, and it's it's peer to peer. It's not it's not filtered from the top down from two or three networks anymore. Now it's everybody everybody is a network, and everybody has a communication platform. Yep. Do you get the reach necessarily? No. Before, uh, you know, 
you had to write a book and then you waited on your fellow scholars to write a response to that book in a separate book, right? And now, now we just get online and we go, your idea is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) The bad news is there's so much out there, right? So if you can't, you feel like you get drowned out sometimes. So it's, yeah, there's more competition and competition is a good thing, but it, it does make it more challenging. The quality getting, reaching a certain level to, to, to stand out is difficult. So yeah. what is it like as a, as a writer now, if you write a book or are, are they self-published? Do you, how does I've done both? Yeah. Um, yeah, really, if you're, you know, unless you're going to hit a, hit it big, uh, even the small, even the the mid-sized publishers, unless they're going to promote your work, it really doesn't make much of a difference. So it really is self-promotion at the end of it. And uh, so we've self, uh, I've self-published quite a few things uh, in terms of books, and then you just get exposure where you can. And you just start sending book boxes of books to Amazon and cross your fingers and and see how yeah. it all shakes out. I mean, without reviews, I mean, it just doesn't doesn't go anywhere. Or radio appearances or things like that. To, you know, or, or speaking, you know, you have opportunities to speak at conferences, that sort of thing. So what's the yeah. current book right now? What are you peddling? Uh, the, the, the discipleship stuff. We've had this discipleship curriculum for 16 years. We, uh, it's, it's a, the initial program was uh, 21 months long. People study about five hours a week, meet weekly to talk about what they've been studying, uh, gr- small groups of 12. And, uh, but there's a whole process behind it where you're trying to take someone from, a new believer all the way up to someone who's a, you know, a disciple of Jesus and an effective disciple maker. And what does that take to be a, say an elder in a church or to lead a group of ninth grade boys and answer questions and, you know, legitimate fashion instead of diverting attention uh, to, to baseball or something. Uh, so there's this whole a process. Really big problem in the modern, in the modern church, yeah, especially yeah. more conservative churches. They don't know how to talk to, to Young any, people. any youth about really like, the serious problems that they're facing uh, because it's got such a stigma of being awkward or uncomfortable. Yep. Right. So the Bears took a running back, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got to see Dakota Davis preach a sermon before he became an atheist. I'm not an atheist. I know. How dare you? <laughs> so, I call myself a uh, reformed messianic Jew. Wow. That's quite a, quite a mouthful there. It's a very, I, I very complicated I, I would have just called, yeah, I would have always just called myself a Quaker until mm-hmm. I took an ancestry test and realized that I'm 12% uh, Ashkenazi Jew. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now it's messianic, right? So we have a book called uh, <laughs> Enough Horses in the Barn, and it's about that process because you talk to church leaders and, and we're like, do you have enough competent people to help you lead and ministry, and they're like, no. We're like, well, how are you going to get get enough horses in your barn? How are you training them up? And so, uh, but back to reviews, we had a review in World Magazine, and all of a sudden, boom, hundred copies get sold. And so, you know, and then that generates other activity. But without that review, you know, that's that's I wouldn't sell those hundred copies. So right. So you okay? Um, this was interesting from your Wikipedia page. Uh, you have a PhD from Texas A&M in economics, right? But it, you did your dissertation on determinants of congressional tenure and uh, term limits. Yes. What did, what did that What did that dissertation look like? Yeah. So I, I was really fortunate, again, very providential to have a dissertation advisor who uh, looked at what I was interested in, which was, which was public choice economics, which is the marriage of political science and economics out of George Mason University. They had the Nobel Prize winner. So he kind of looks at my background, and he's a labor economist. So he's trying to figure out how can I apply labor economics to something 
that'll interest this student. He did that for all the students in his class. He picked topics. And so we dove in, we started doing research. And so I was applying uh, these statistical methods to try and uh, analyze how long people were staying in Congress. And uh, the, the, the biggest, the punchline of it, we, we, I looked at term limits. We eventually turned into uh, what's called the culture of spending hypothesis, which is the longer people stay in D.C., do they tend to vote for more spending? which is pretty hmm. interesting. That is and that's, interesting. And that's part of the motivation for term limits, right? Is that the longer you stay, if you become acculturated to spending more, maybe we should send you home earlier. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the coolest, um, I think the coolest result we had uh, in there was the uh, federal election campaign reform in 1974 had uh, promised to make things more open. And what we found instead was not surprisingly, it made it harder for challenges, challengers. It put limits on what they could spend, right? The stuff we talk about all the time now. And so the first four terms, representatives were coming back at an 80% clip. And then after the reform, it went up to 90%. So they became a lot safer after the reform. Okay. And so that was the kind of the cool result. But they were basically rigging the laws, yeah. whether they knew it or not, they were basically rigging it in a way that made it harder for them to be replaced. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Do, is that published anywhere online? Yeah. Day? So that's, okay. uh, yeah, there's uh, academic papers back in the early 90s. That was some of my first publications. You just Google your name, and there are so many different uh, writings and topics that come up. I really liked it. Like, you, It's a shame that you live so far away. Otherwise, you'd be <laughs> on here much more often. <laughs> you need to go visit your son at yeah. Ball State more. <laughs> well, so, Justin, uh, Justin Stevens, who I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with, uh, he, he's in the chat, and he says, the first yard sign he ever had was an Eric Schantz. That's right. sign. Justin cut his teeth in my campaign. We, we were talking about Christianity. We ended up talking about politics, and he's gone on to a, a nice career with uh, Americans for Prosperity and some other stuff. But um, yeah, Justin's a good good buddy. The uh, as we were talking, uh, a headline I saw this week uh, came to mind. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand is running for Senate. There's 22 Democrats running for running for president right now, and we're going to talk about Andrew Yang and his in one of his policy proposals. Uh, but once again, before we went on the air, Eric and I were saying everybody's got these new – when there's so, such a crowded field, you have to have a reason, you know, a hook, something that makes you stand out, whether it's raising money or having having the background or the resume or these policy positions that uh, that will hook you. Uh, and Kristen Gillibrand, the uh, senator uh, from New York State, uh, she's wanting to change uh, public election funding. Uh, and <laughs> she's going to raise the taxes, raise taxes to do this, to fund it. But basically, give you every individual in the country a six hundred dollar voucher right. that you can give to any candidate you want to to pay so, for elections publicly. W- what is interesting about that is that is actually um, something that Andrew Yang brought to the table first. Did he? Hmm. Yeah, talking to it, he w- except his was two hundred dollars. He wanted to give two hundred dollars uh, for to every American citizen over the age of eighteen that was going to be voting, and they could give it to. Uh, it's like uh, a voucher, or a token yeah, system. A, a a political candidate. But uh, the difference between the two of theirs is Andrew Yang says you can give it to any candidate. So you could give it to Chris Guffey for city council ward three in Newcastle. You didn't have to give it to a national candidate, okay. right? So I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, uh, if, if we decide, okay, we're going to completely eliminate any sort of corporate and the only money that we can put in, there's no PACs, there's nothing but individual donations. And that's we're going to have hard election reform, and the only thing you can do is an individual can do six hundred dollars federally. That's it, and there's nothing else out there. Okay, I you got my attention. I'm I can yeah. I can get yeah. behind that, and I can Re- understand reform it. that. 
but but it's not your money, right? That's the hook. And, so I, and I'm reading the article, and I'm like, holy hell, this proposal is they just give you 600 federal dollars, and yeah. you pick anybody you want to give it to. Yep. So it's that's the problem. It's it, it, it's uh, it is wild. Uh, that's the uh, wild I, west. You had my, my attention, and then you and then you you crushed my. Story. My favorite comment on that story was a gentleman that said, "How about we just have a system where." Every person gets to write down the name of the the candidate they think is best. (laughs) (laughs) That would never work. Wow, look at that, huh? (laughs) You're only allowed to have. There's only two names allowed. There's the Democrat name and the Republican name, and that's it. By the time Mm -hmm. by the time you get to decide. So you, uh, Eric, I, um, I, I guess because of uh, uh, my my specific interest in uh, the more more Old Testament theology. Uh, I wanted, and you did a, that commentary on the book of Joshua. Yes. I wanted to know if you see any overlap between your economic views, which you have your PhD in, and uh, of course your um, writings in the biblical sphere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my faith is really important to me. I mean, Jesus has just changed my life. I, I would be, a, I'm sure, a solid citizen, but I'd be a bit of a jackass as well. And so he's rubbed, <laughs> rubbed a lot of rough edges off. So, uh, really thankful for that. And, uh, so that's, you know, it's crucial to my life. And then I've got my vocation and my interests, all these things. And of course, religion and politics go together. You know, when I talk in public, sometimes I say, we're, you know, we're going to talk about religion and politics. And if that gets boring, we'll talk about money and sex after that. And <laughs> of course, really, the joke, the joke there, right, is that religion and politics never gets boring. Right. Um, so how do you put those things together? And, and what you find is Christians and, non-Christians, whatever, again, people just don't think that much about politics. They have this dog's breakfast kind of set of views and a little bit of religion and kind of, you know, they're mowing their lawn and then they hear some story about Gill and Brand. They're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, you know, and that's that's kind of how people do it. And it's just this dog's breakfast of just garbage. Um, and then you get, you know, Christians, for example, who then take, say, the scriptures very seriously or have a, a certain aspect of God as justice or something, and if they're very serious about it, well, then it's easy to make some some basic mistakes like, well, that's wrong, so there ought to be a law against it, or that's right, so let's mm-hmm. let's mandate it, you know, let's take care of the poor. Uh, we're commanded to take care of the poor, therefore... The force of government should yeah. be the way we do or, it. Or, you know, you shouldn't yeah. have lap dances, therefore there should a, be a law. So a it's problem really, with legislating the morality. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so you just... And, and it's not that's not just a specifically Christian problem, but Christians are fairly prominent in that. And, and uh, so as a Christian, it, it was really important to me to figure out, look, what is the role of government? And um, I was becoming a libertarian at the same time out of kind of a standard... GOP background and uh, the, the the war on drugs, I think, was the biggest one for me. The, you know, Mark Twain said, if you're going to swallow two frogs, swallow the biggest one first. And so the war on drugs is a big frog. I mean, once you swallow that one, you're like, okay, you know, anything goes pretty much <laughs> after that. But I just couldn't make the case, you know, all the uh, costs that are imposed on innocence by the war on drugs. I was like, I just can't advocate that as a Christian. I can't mm-hmm. tempt that inner city kid to deal drugs. I can't, you know, cause unrest in Colombia because of my views. I mean, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. And, and, and uh, furthermore on that, I think that it, it, you have people who get thrown into this system of maybe they are a small time weed dealer or something because they need more money. They, they've hit a, uh, a rough place or they've been dealt a rough hand or what have you. 
and then they get thrown into the, uh, our legal system, and all of a sudden they're in prison with rapists and murderers and true violent criminals, uh, people that we are afraid of, so we put them in cages, and that this guy is like, holy crap, I was just selling a plant for my house, and now he has to become the violent criminal in order to survive in that type of environment. Yeah. I think our three biggest policies are our welfare, education, and, and the drug war. And they really go all together. I mean, with welfare policies, we'll pay you money uh, if you have kids and you're not married. Okay, great. So now we're setting up a lot of single parent households, which causes, you know, the, the data are very clear. I mean, you can escape from that, but it's not a good way to, to, to raise kids. Right. Uh, generally. Uh, now we'll put you in a government-run school system with tremendous mon- monopoly power over people with few resources and uh, some family struggles and good luck to you, right? So a lot of people escape uh, with a ninth-grade education. And now we'll tempt you uh, with, uh, you know, you can sell drugs at age 15 or you can work at McDonald's if you wait another year. Uh, and it's just too tempting. And, and then we'll, now we'll throw you in prison. Uh, and so if you look at, you know, what government by the, does. By the way, we're going to steal 20% of your money when you start going yeah. to work. If you happen to yeah. escape if, that it, legitimately. Yeah. yeah. If we'll you go to McDonald's, money. we're going to take your money. Yep. Uh, but if you just go sell, you know, sell drugs to your buddies, you can, uh, it's tax free. You, you can be an entrepreneur and nobody knows. About yep. It. Yep. So I, I just think we, you know, when you start thinking about from a, a Christian or Jewish, any, any kind of perspective, right? God is a God of justice. And especially in the Christian tradition, uh, protecting the marginal is really important in both the old Testament and the new Testament. Uh, the alien, the stranger, the the poor, the marginal, the widow, the orphan, and so when you have policies that are just trampling the the marginalized in society, that's just that's unacceptable. And so, you know, just thinking from a Christian perspective, what is the role of government? What should government quit doing to harm so many people? Uh, and so that just became, you know, an obsession. I don't know. I, I just I was like, I have to get this straight in my head. What should government be doing? And many times, so there's many times where you have a great idea, right? You know, it, this is what we like in government. This is what they should do. We should, we should outlaw, you know, we should outlaw murder, whatever, whatever the, I, whatever the goal is. Um, and ultimately for libertarians, it comes down to force and fraud. So if there's violence involved, that's where government needs to get, get it, get in that space. But otherwise it should be left to the private sector or individuals to work these things out for themselves through property rights or mutual associations or, um, or just through individual conflict. Um, I've got another essay coming out next week. It's entitled the meatloaf uh, theory of government. And uh, it started with me thinking of two out of three ain't bad. And that when I ask people, you know, when should the government get involved? It's, it's, it's got to pass three tests, constitutional, ethical, and practical. So it's got to be in, in line with the constitution. It's got to be ethical. So back to your point about force and fraud, when should I use the government to mess with you? Well, force and fraud. And then practical, I think a lot of people skip this step. Even if it's constitutional and ethical, if it's not going to work, don't do it. And with the government, two out of three three wouldn't be that bad, but usually the government gets none or one out of three. <laughs> so I advocate the meatloaf test. You know, if we could just get two out of three, that wouldn't be too bad. Meatloaf Chase was, a, was an artist. <clears throat> I love meatloaf. <laughs> like, not with, the artist, but just with, the food. With ketchup on it, yeah. Meatloaf is one of my favorite foods. Uh, Guffy, are you okay. familiar with Meatloaf, the artist? Do you not like me? Oh, I, I love Meatloaf. It's I was going to agree with you. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's one of my favorite foods. Meatloaf, the artist, is, is just okay. Yeah, bad out of hell. I mean, there's, there's there's good there's good stuff there. So I'm thinking with a Meatloaf test, right? So back to teaching and writing. 
I'm really happy with that essay, right? Because that's going to be an earworm for the people that yeah. read it. They're going to be singing that song, and they're going to be thinking <laughs> of that essay that Two I wrote. Two out of three. But back to your point, I think, you know, government people aren't thinking about the ethical part of government. When is it cool for me to bring the force of government down on you? Right. If you're eating too much pie, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, if you're raping somebody, right? I mean, where where's that line where you go, okay, it's time to bring the government in? And then, and then this practical test, when is it going to work? Because people are all the time imagining government programs as they hope they'll work, not as they're actually going to work. So many, so many times it, for me, it becomes, I, I've got a lot of friends that are in law enforcement, they're our local city police department, our sheriff's department. And in the, the filter I use is, is it worth putting them in harm's way? Mm-hmm. Is this, is this activity so important that they need to be in conflict? Because ultimately anytime we pass an ordinance or we pass a law, it leads to violence because they are the, where the rubber meets the road. And that's where we have to be sure, you know, is that $25 seatbelt ticket really that important that mm-hmm. we need them? You know, the, the, the sheriff sent something out in our community this week saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to step up enforcement. We're going to create these situations of conflict where we're going to put them in, you know, you don't know what's going to be inside of that car. You don't know how they're going to react or what's going to happen. Um, you know, if, if we have a code enforcement, we're going to have somebody show up and they're going to, you know, eventually the sheriff has to serve that. I know that they sign up for it and that's the responsibility and that's the reality of the job. But if you can avoid putting people in that situation because it was an unnecessary policy, then let's side with that. That's right. that's the filter I, I use very often. Uh, and it's, I think it's somewhat simple to understand. Yeah. I think we can get better at asking those kind of questions of people, you know, and some people will respond more to the ethical part of it, the force and fraud points you made. Other people, they don't share our values on that. Right. They're perfectly fond if, listen, of helping if you, you live your life. If you, um, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry right. about, right? Th- those kind of people. Yeah. So then I think you go with the practical arguments. Okay. How's this really going to work and, and try and score points that way. Very good. Dakota, what, what's going on over there, buddy? What, how, we haven't done a show in over a week and it's starting to feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> the video, the video connection keeps, uh, we're having Mevo going out, but we're fine with the, we're fine with the audio. We're going to have to so start we're, we're all over. Keep going. We, we will not start all over. No. We're a podcast first. It's the a, video is a, um, it's a bonus. Um, and 90% of the time it works every time. There was a update that was available nice. for the Mevo camera and, uh, we chose uh, not to because when yeah. we take them update, Usually it breaks two other things. No, usually we're okay with it with the update. It just it, they usually give and take something away, <laughs> but uh, we didn't update this time, and I think that that is a problem. I think that they don't like the fact that we didn't update, so they're just not going to let us stream. So, so, but we're we're okay, and we're going to graciously and smoothly uh, transition, transition to whatever into, no. whatever Chase is trying to do. Eric, <laughs> what's your favorite book of the Bible? Oh wow! The book he wrote a commentary on on Joshua. <laughs> I I thought it'd Yeshua. be Joshua, but I, I wouldn't ask. Is that how you say? Is that how Joshua is in Hebrew? Yeshua. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. As far as I know. Um. Wow. I would have to pick Genesis. I think. Uh, mm. It is so so it's rich. Got a bunch in there. What yeah. is yours? Philemon. Philemon. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Only because I, okay, I went to a Christian school like all my life. And I read you, this. You're the one guy here that went to Liberty University. I mean, you've got street yeah, you, cred. You, in you this do have university. street cred. <laughs> in, in, in this I also world. got kicked out of Liberty <laughs> University. So, so I, anyways, I read this kid's book when I was little, and it was loosely based on the book of Philemon, so I've just always liked that one. But my, no, I have several f- favorite books of the Bible. My my favorite is Job. 
the Job. book of Job. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm I'm also really big into Stoic philosophy, and that is the book of Job is the epitome of uh, of reacting it with reason and not emotion. Is we Job play did. this game where Dakota mispronounces words he's read, and and I try to pretend. Did you mean epitome? What <laughs> I said? No, the epitome. Am I that, am I the only one? I'm looking around. It's, a, it's epitome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's not a there's not a word. That's huh. all right. Really? I've heard we people say epitome, yeah. and I'm pretty I sure too. it's been Dakota every time. <laughs> Has it? It's a great word, but <laughs> that's all right. I see me. I do all he these does things. this like once a month and I go, What? Are, how did yeah. you get this far are, in life? There and are a lot of things that I away. write down and I read, but I've never I never say out loud. Mm-hmm. I, this is confession time. What? I was a young boy. And I didn't know any better. And your father took you into the city? No. See March. I read I read I read the, <laughs> my very first book that cussed. And I was I didn't know how you spelled the word damn. So I'm reading uh-huh. this book and I'm like, damn. 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 I didn't know I I was so confused. Yeah. So I, I I understand. But I learned when I was about eight. So the fact that you're twenty four years old and we're we're having this conversation now. I thought the I thought epitome of I thought I literally thought that <laughs> epitome and epitome were two separate words. Well, what do you think epitome meant? I thought it was like the uh, the adjective version. I thought they were like this, they had the same <laughs> definition, but they were used in two different contexts. Brian Regan does a really th- funny thing on uh, hooked on Pahonix. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a commercial for that. So. Ah, I like that. Yeah. That is me. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure me. <clears throat> <laughs> the yellow one is the sun. I'm bad with words. <laughs> All right. Well, that made my night. So thank you. I I if you can't I beat up on we, your friends, we need a good we need a good clip of that. I think because uh, I had I usually I'm I whenever that happens, I'm like I don't know that I've ever said this. So I think about it first, and I'm like ah, I'm just gonna say it like this, and then I get and then I get called out, and I'm like ah, that was wrong. But that time I was. I legitimately had no idea what you're talking about whenever you called it out. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was like 50 50. I was like, I don't know who that's a word. So you were like epitome. And I was like, no, different word, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, the best part is I've, we were in each other's weddings, right? We've got this connection now. And I just, I know when I've got him on the hook and I, he, yeah. and I it's well, Oh, it's fun. Made yeah. my night. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to get that right because it's been. It's You've been stuck saying in my it head. a certain way so long. Yeah, damn man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One more thought on Genesis because I can tie that back into family. I mean, when you're reading Genesis, you realize that God's trying to work out family stuff. I mean, it's sibling rivalry all the way through. He's got Abraham. You know, if you get to the end of Genesis, it's a nation or it's a nation about to be. But it's as if God's saying, "Look, if I can't get the family right." I can't get the nation right. And so I think that's a really important consideration that, you know, we talk about politics, but culture, society, you know, we could have, you know, if we don't get family right and all the problems that go with that, then this other stuff is just, yeah, um, you know, window dressing. Yeah. Nothing else matters if you can't start there. All right. Let's, let's transition grace. So when's the commentary on Genesis coming? Uh, might I be inspiring. Abraham's <laughs> what I hope to write on that. I, I, I believe the R.C. Sproul, he, he did commentary on the whole Bible, and I think that Genesis is like is 
two or three really large books. Yeah. It's, it's Andy, such a long Andy book. Horning <laughs> annotated the Constitution. You could always annotate the Bible. I know Ken Ham worked a lot on Genesis. But <laughs> well, two two, two yeah. chapters of it. <laughs> yeah. That's all he cares about. All, all right. right. Andrew Yang. Uh, this is the uh, the column that came out a couple weeks ago, probably three weeks ago. Uh, Andrew Yang is a, uh, I guess they're calling him an entrepreneur. Uh, younger guy. He's probably the second youngest mm-hmm. uh, fellow running as a Democrat amongst the 22 major candidates. Uh, and he came up with this plan. He, he adopted this plan. I don't think any, any idea. It's been around 50 new. years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this goes, is this Rothbard goes back all the way back to, or Friedman, 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 Friedman maybe before that, but, uh, and basically it is from the, on the libertarian side, we've said, this is where you eliminate the welfare state. You completely get rid of or the, transform it or you, or you transform yeah. it. So instead of having individual programs, we just universally, every adult gets a check. No matter if you make a thousand dollars a year or five hundred thousand dollars a year, you this the plan that Yang has is anybody eighteen years old and over would get from the federal government a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you there was in your article and we'll link to a, a version of it. Uh, you're saying anybody twenty one years and older, you you actually think this has got some it holds water. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Andrew Yang because I think I think he's worth talking about. Uh, Charles Murray there, has a nice little book on this. That's actually how I got into it. Our econ book club on campus. Someone suggested the book and the idea. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And it's like a 90 page book. It's a very easy read if you want to check it out. I should have uh, remembered the name of the book, but um, if you just Google UBI and Murray, you'll find his book. So I, I definitely recommend that. Um, I th- you know, it's interesting to think about how do you motivate it? There's lots of things. I mean, the first thing to say as a libertarian is this is all conditional on us being in the welfare game, right? So I'm, I'm not advocating welfare as a libertarian per se. I'm just saying, look, if we're going to do this, if, if government and society has decided we're going to do this thing called welfare programs, this is a, bu- a much better way to do it. So just make sure the caveat is out there that I'm not advocating the UBI in a vacuum. I'm just saying in in the context we find ourselves in. In, in the pragmatic world right. where libertarians hold zero seats in Congress. Right. This, this would is, be a great improvement. Yeah, this right? is a directional solution. I think the other thing, he, uh, Yang has this analogy. He talks about how you know, people in Alaska receive a dividend from oil, right? Yeah. And so they receive a check. And I think that you know, the economist lingo here would be a positive externality, that if, if society is producing all these positive byproducts, uh, you spill those out to people, and I think you could motivate it uh, from from economics that way. Uh, Yang's concern specifically is about technological advance and what that's doing, and he has uh, greater concerns than I have about the pace of technological advance. But he sees this as a true safety net for people that he envisions being displaced. So he cites the truckers, for example, and just mm-hmm. imagines that in the next five years there's going to be hundreds of thousands of jobs gone. And I, I just, that's not the way markets typically work. He could be right, but I'm not nearly that apocalyptic. But that's where Yang is coming from to be really excited about this when he, issue. He is equating this, this coming uh, the robotic or technological revolution, so to speak, to the industrial revolution, right. which, of course, uh, we know was in some ways catastrophic. Um, it, in some ways, you could make the argument that it read to the direct rise of the Soviet Union and uh, not adapting to this modern era. So he's worried that that's going to happen in the United States. That's possible. But more violently because there's more people with more to lose. Right. Um, and yeah, he does cite the truckers a lot. He yeah. cites um, 
uh, all the people in fast food, retail workers. Um, one in, interesting in tidbit, our area, the the manufacturing base, right? We've yeah. seen we've seen we once again as we were talking before the show went on the air. We should really just record the whole the whole place anytime there's a conversation around here. The, <laughs> if we just bought ourselves an Alexa, it would all be yes, recorded by Amazon yes. for our benefit. Um, but the city of Newcastle, our community, is an old UAW town. So there used to be thousands of jobs with Chrysler here. Those jobs have moved outside of this area for different reasons, modernizations, labor contracts, uh, other markets being able to service those jobs mm-hmm. better. You don't need as many hands doing it. All of these factors are... What leads to the thinking about a universal basic income? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just I was just going to say uh, that that uh, Yang does make the point that the American truck driver uh, or trucking companies are the largest employers of high school educated men in the United States. Yeah. Uh, so that is a that's a huge portion of the population. I mean, we all I think. Probably everybody in this room knows at least one or two truckers, right? Uh, it's it is an extremely common profession, yeah. and for and he does have legitimate concerns. If all those go away, then um, it's like the the uh, Twitter joke of of learn to code, right? Yet you're going to tell a high school educated man that's been driving a truck and uh, all of his life to all of a sudden learn something as complicated as coding or, or something to do with technology. It's that seems unrealistic yeah. from a, a real pragmatic point of view. Um, and so the question is how, how quickly our market's going to do that kind of adjusting. And his concerns are greater than mine on that. You know, the markets are going to adjust. Is, you know, how much is is the question there? But I just want to make the point that's what's motivating his concern uh, on that policy issue. And I want to say a couple other things about Yang because we may get off of him pretty quick. He's worth listening to. I mean, he's. Um, he is a policy guy, and I mean, anymore it seems like both major parties are more about power and politics than policy. So I appreciate anybody uh, who's going to talk policy. So yeah. I deeply appreciate what Yang's doing. And the other thing is, when you hear an interview with him, he belly laughs. And the first time I heard it, I, I was I was surprised that I was surprised, and then I realized politicians don't laugh. And so I'm just like, <laughs> I like that about this guy. So. He belly laughs and he's into policy. So he's easily, to me, the, the best Democrat out there. Uh, Charles Murray is also has, is interested in UBI. He put out a book about 12 years ago, and then there was a 10th anniversary edition that I picked up. His concern is twofold. One, he's written about welfare policy for a very long time and the uh, uh, detrimental effects on all sorts of in- incentives for work, saving, family Etc. Impact on individuals, the effect on communities. His book "Coming Apart" I think is necessary reading, uh, and and what's happening in, for the classes, uh, lower middle and middle versus uh, above, and what just how things are shaking out there. So he's very influential there. But then also he's looking at the just the growth of entitlement spending and that it, it just doesn't work, you know. And so if we're you know his angles are welfare and the unsustainable amount of spending. Uh, and so if that's the case, he says, look, we're going to be forced to do this. You know, maybe Yang's right, but $22 Murray is, trillion yeah. in debt. So the debt, the entitlement spending, uh, the baby boomers retiring, uh, welfare spending, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, does, on and on. Is in the Yang proposal, is he eliminating Social Security with that 12000 ten thousand or 12000 a year? Yeah, he he allows everyone. Him and Murray both, I think, have an important provision, which is an opt uh, an opt in provision. So no one's forced to this. So 
uh, Social Security would not disappear overnight. It would disappear 30, Gradu- 40 be, years ago, right? Yeah. The only uh, people that would that would not opt in uh, right away to the universal basic income idea are the people that are like like the seniors that are already on uh, Medicare and they've got their Social Security checks coming. Uh, they are obviously not going to opt yeah, into that's this. Fine. But, uh, we continue to support them. Once and they on on. are out of the way... Then. I've said for years, if you let Couple me, years. if you let me out of the social security program, I'll make that deal today. I'm 35, 36 years old. Um, well, Murray talks make, about I'd make the deal today. If you let me out right now, you can keep everything I've put in, and I will I'll save my money. Murray makes the case that the rate of return is so lousy that someone even into their early 50s is going to typically make that trade off. Yeah. But he says, you know, politically, we have to give people a choice. So Murray gets there through concern about welfare policy and concern about just the growth of government, and says, look, at UBI is cheaper. And this is where the libertarian gets a little excited, right? So we're like, man, long-term, this is really nice. Even short-term, you're telling me it's cheaper to do this, and, and that's got to make a libertarian happier. Right, and it, because it's uh, the reason that it, that it is cheaper, uh, I have a couple of numbers here in the show notes that uh, right, right down here in the universal basic income section, the total spending on the average family on welfare, it comes to about $168 a day from the federal government. The total amount of money that they receive from in, in welfare packages is about $25 a day. So what, uh, what the argument on Yang's side and Murray's side is, we are cutting all of this overhead, right? There's no more of the bloated bureaucracy. It's not... Uh, flowing through all these different channels before it gets to you and thousands of people have to be paid before it gets to the people that need the money. So we could actually do this. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on was um, how how Yang plans to actually pay for this, the the freedom dividend that he proposes, and it was a, a value-added tax, uh, which yeah, so is Yang, interesting. Yeah, Yang wants to not cut as many programs, therefore he would have to add a tax. Murray yeah. is wanting to get rid of get rid of all the programs uh, and then you don't have to do the, the new tax. Yeah. So the value added tax is uh, something every time you take in manufacturing, every time you add something, you add value to something, you add yep. an additional tax and it's a, it's a European model. Um, yeah. And we've talked, it's been discussed and never been seriously discussed as a public policy, but it's been discussed uh, for replacing the income tax. Perhaps. The, uh, what I found was that, and this is all from, Yang's policy pages because you go to the man's website like we were talking earlier about the policy side is it's just pages of um, pages of super super detailed policy uh, even down to his views on circumcision mm. are on his website and his view is I don't like it, but, like the, but you can do what you want. It's right. like, why is that on your website? Just <laughs> do it, people. There's, there's, 20, there's 22 Democrats. Sometimes you need a yeah. tiebreaker. I don't know where Elizabeth Warren is on there's circumcision. A, uh, there's a great video on, on YouTube. Just do it. <laughs> Chase just doesn't want anybody to feel weird in the locker room. <laughs> there's a great video on YouTube. I don't YouTube. want that eye staring back at me, okay? <laughs> and it, the, the, This is what Dr. Eric Schantzberg yes. signed up for yeah. today yeah. Right. and drove... Two and a half hours north. <laughs> Chase to the man who has a PhD in economics from Texas A and M wants wants to hear about Chase's views on circumcision. <laughs> and we promise but, that we're gonna have fun. But anyway, there's a great video on YouTube about, uh, uh, and it is Andrew Yang versus Pete Buttigieg on policy, hmm. and it is uh, basically Andrew Yang going through. Like countless interviews of his policy proposals, and then Pete Buttigieg going, 
I'm a gay man. It's it's hilarious. I I've thought about posting it a few times, mm. but anyway, the the uh, what I found on Andrew Yang's website is that 160 different countries in the world already have a value added tax. Um, Europe has an average uh, value added tax of 20%, and he is going to propose a 10%. Mm. So half of the European model. <clears throat> The yeah. uh, the income tax started out real small too. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally not in favor of the value <laughs> yeah. added tax, but yeah, I just me, wanted that, to put that would be a deal killer for me. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't want to do that any more spending. I don't want to you know you know this has to replace virtually everything except for the opt in provision. So I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. But the thing is, is whenever you're looking at candidates and especially ones like Yang who has such detailed policy proposals. I think you need to look at them and think about what's the debate going to be like and how is his how is this specific piece of legislation going to be formed by the public debate and the the debate in the Congress of how this actually gets implemented right. if it gets set to that point. And I think that Yang listening to him in interviews and looking at his website and everything I know about him is that he He's got this sensible approach, and he's got this open-minded approach to where, uh, okay, so I'm I'm going to start out with this robust proposal, and then things are going to get whittled away right. as I learn how it can actually be added into American culture. Yeah, one thing that he doesn't catch, which really surprises me, I can't remember if I put this in the essay or not, but he's always he's concerned about all these jobs leaving. Well, if you cut all the bureaucracy, you did put this in essay, yeah, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of bureaucratic jobs. There's federal yeah. guys that are on the curb, right? So it's just funny that he's you know kind of apocalyptic about all the truck drivers, but he's not doesn't seem to catch the the fact that you have all these government workers, and government workers can be productive doing other things. Um, insert your own joke here, maybe yeah. I don't know, but, <laughs> but many of them many of them would be productive, and so it'd be it'd be a, you know I mean the thing of the people writing code to yeah. do the things you're talking about. I mean, whatever. There, there's a range of productivity in the government, and it'd be kind of nice to free that up, but there is an apocalyptic element of his proposal in that, for him and Murray, that he would eliminate a lot of those well, jobs. Okay, so think about, they could always go and uh, work in other places for the government, because if all of a sudden we do have entire fleets of millions of driverless trucks, then our infrastructure is going to have to vastly improve. And we have to regulate the hell yeah. out of those computers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but some, the one other topic that I wanted to cover or facet that I facet of, um, it's not faucet, it's facet Dakota. Um, well, uh, faucet <laughs> of that. Yeah. Facet two of two the, separate words, man. <laughs> one water comes out of, and one is uh, a, a perspective. One other facet of your uh, column, Eric, is that the disincentive for making more money is gone. Yeah. If you put this in, no matter how much money you make, you're going to get this ten thousand or twelve thousand dollars a year. So right now, you have an incentive to have a single income home, or you have the incentive to. Um, to not make too much money or else you yep. start to go backwards economically and you penalize yourself. In this case, everybody gets it and you still have the incentive to work that extra job like Chase and and do whatever it takes to get $15 shoved down your shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, that's, that's the fascinating part yeah. of this is it so, doesn't, it, it's not encouraging as quote, unquote, bad behavior. Well, it still or, does a bit. So economists talk about two things. I won't give you the technical terms, but if I just give you $10,000, I'm disincentivizing you to work. Yep. Right. So 
uh, economists call that an income effect. If I hand you a bunch of income, you're not as likely to work. So that part doesn't go away. But you have that right now. So that's that's a wash. So the gain is when you quit taking money away from people when they earn more money. That's the problem. So with the current system, the take-back rate for government averages 80 to 90%. So if you earn $1,000, the government's typically going to reduce your benefits by 800 to $900. And there are many cases where your benefits are reduced by more than $1,000. We'll take your health insurance. We'll do whatever. And so that, that, that provides, that's the tremendous disincentive that we're getting rid of. The income effect part stays. If I just hand you cash, I'm still disincentivizing you, but that stays the same. It's that take back rate, getting rid of that or reducing that, that would get economists and I think libertarians excited. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things in, in your article that really peaked out at me was that, uh, towards the end of, of the article, you you say that this would incentivize, or Murray rather makes the argument that this would incentivize two parent household structures. Um, can you dive into that? Yeah, uh, same, like his- same thing. I mean, you know, the, the current programs are set up where okay, if you have a kid and you're married, I'm not going to give you anything. But if you have a kid and you're not married, I'll give you money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not like that drives all of that decision, but at the margin, that's going to move people to not forming families or breaking up families or, and he talks about how guys will live off the women because they know that they have the monies coming in. And so the UBI frees it up, right? He he has a really interesting section where he says, look, if the guy receives X dollars and everyone knows he receives X dollars, that changes the way you look at him (coughs) and what you expect him now to contribute. Cause before you go, well, I don't have a job. Well, you have a freedom dividend. And so there's, he, he argues there'll be this change of expectations. But at minimum, you're taking away the disincentive for family formation. Right. What's the, um, the logic in the amount per month in the freedom dividend? Is that uh, uh, getting, bringing you up to the poverty line? Because I know in the, when the fair tax was talked about 10, 15 years ago, they would untax you up to the poverty line. $12,000 a year for an individual doesn't really get you to that point. But is it, is that, equate to an average spending or what you would expect to be paying in, 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 in a safety net? What's, how did they arrive at that number? Yeah. Murray just uses that as a round number. And then he also throws in catastrophic healthcare, which is interesting. Yeah, the he dynamics does. of that. So he says it's 10,000 plus 3000 for catastrophic healthcare. Um, he doesn't want it to be a lot. You know, the other thing is we're talking about federal programs. So if a state says 10,000 is not enough, a state would be perfectly fine to supplement however they see fit. If they want to do their own food the, stamp program. The state or, or of they California can, do, can have any program they want right. to. So they could go another $10,000 or they could have food stamps. Or, yeah. And maybe high cost of living states, you know, say, well, we're in Massachusetts. The state government will kick in. But at the federal level, we're just doing 10,000. Keep it simple. And then it'd be adjusted by inflation after that. All right. Fascinating. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really important, and this is a difference between Yang and Murray. Yang uh, argues it should start at age 18. Murray's very careful to say age 21. That you don't yeah. want people the new to graduate age. from high school and start getting $10,000. That's, right. that's not a good idea. And, for, and the argument is, is that... I could have had and, a lot of fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the point. And that's the argument, is that a lot of... of Bad habits, right. uh, stupid decision making uh, happen between the ages of eighteen and uh, you know twenty three. Usually, actually, I'm right on the end curve of making stupid decisions. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I still consider stupid decisions all the time. I'm just lazier and not don't do them. Now. There goes my hope. 
Uh, say sorry to my wife. <laughs> so be like this forever. Chase, you're not a policy wonk, right? We've never, no. we've never established about you. He works. Too I did often. consider studying <laughs> politics my first year of college. And what? then I was like, you did. No, you wanted to be a politician. Yeah. What, like, yeah, no. what would $12,000 in automatic money coming to you mean? What would, what, would that change your life? Would you do things differently? Would you quit your second job? No, but it'd help <laughs> out. <laughs> But you wouldn't quit your other job. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna quit my other job now. But like, no, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's gonna like. You're not gonna be able to live on twelve thousand dollars, right. but it'll help help yeah. you out. Here's that's, that's what he says too. I mean, a lot of people might work part time and kind of live on ten plus yeah. five. Okay, that's not yeah. ideal, but it's better than what we have now. In theory. You might have more entrepreneurs come out of this, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a little bit of a safety net. So if you're in your 20s, you're 22, 23, maybe you will start a business. And so many people work in a job because it comes with insurance. Mm-hmm. This is the conversation to start to have as, a, as we have of this single-payer conversation that uh, from the Liberty side, we're not particularly in favor of this. But your your health insurance since World War II has generally been tied to your employment. Yep. So you don't have the incentive to start something on your own. Dakota, you don't have the incentive. I don't have the incentive to start my own business, especially if you have a young family on the way or if you already have a young family. You're you're living in some fear that, man, I've got this job now and I've got security, so you're not going to take that risk. Right. If you're 23, you don't have a family yet, you and you've got catastrophic health insurance, and you've got twelve grand a year – you could try some stuff and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, you've got that Especially, opportunity. Yeah. You're married. So now all of a sudden you have $24,000 a year and you know, it. You can, I, I've, yeah, I've thought about it a lot because I, I've said multiple times on the show that my childhood dream was to become a, 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 a traditional type blacksmith. Like that's what I've always wanted to do since I was eight years old and went to Connor and Prairie. And YouTube celebrity. Yeah, and a YouTube celebrity. Well, we checked that box. Yeah, I'm already there. So, But <laughs> I, I, it's like, I, I, did, I first learned about this. I'm like, so wait a minute. I'm I'm getting $1,000 a month no matter what. My wife is getting $1,000 a month no matter what. And would that open the door for me to, okay, I'm actually going to to stop my day job and and work on the thing that I think would be the most fulfilling in my life, and try to make a live an actual living to replace my income now off of that. I I, I think that there's a lot of people like that in the world. So I I don't know. It, and I would think that work? Yang, I know Murray, and I think Yang also make a case for kind of a lower e lowercase e entrepreneurship that people would be more likely to move where jobs are mobility mobility yeah. so that's another big point they make that you know we, we have areas that are depressed and areas that are doing fun and we're like why don't you just move well it's not that easy i don't have any money i don't need networking i don't have any whatever but if i had this the safety net people would be more likely to go so I, I think you can make the case that it that it uh you know lubes the system a little bit and gets people some of the the fixity out of it and people can actually move a little more easily so one of uh something that's interesting about that the uh Indiana Talks Internet Radio Network, which I don't know if we're on there on the weekends or not anymore. I haven't kept up with it. But anyway, they posted an article that was uh, written today, and the title of it was called Midwest Midwest Exit. So it was a, a play on Brexit. And hmm. uh, 
this, uh, the author of the article was talking about uh, a lot of young people have been, have been leaving Indiana and surrounding states and going to the coastal cities, California, Boston, New York City, wherever, and uh, d- trying to make it out there because there's uh, smaller companies. They feel like they can be more creative, what have you. And they, the author of this article um, cited a study from Indiana University that said that the amount of labor in the workforce is projected to be less than that, exactly 50% less than what it was in the mid-1990s in 2030, I think is what the projection was. In Indiana? In Indiana, yeah. And so... the argument was because this author put out multiple polls on different social media sites and said, if you left, why did you leave? If you have stayed, why did you stay? What they found was left for more opportunity, uh, could pursue my creative goals, blah, blah, blah. And why I stayed, um, they were saying stayed because of, um, I have a mortgage. I'm in debt. Uh, my job has healthcare. Um, all not very good. Like, like I just love Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it wasn't that. You hope it'd be family or climate. Yeah, exactly. Or something, and you know? and it like, was all like I can't leave. I can't leave. I'm stuck yeah. here because of these reasons. So I, uh, it's interesting that you brought that up uh, between both of the policy proposals because I think that th- that uh, we're we're seeing that especially in the, these flyover states. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, For it's what just, it's it, worth. It's just going to make Indiana even <laughs> even more depressed. Uh, You're going to put $12,000 in my pocket? I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so now, it I don't think it would make me more depressed. I, th- I would no, no, live no, no, in no, 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 Not individuals. I'm saying that you, you could theoretically have more people move to Florida or mm. Arizona or places that have, you know, I Texas. Wouldn't. Places that the economy is, is moving, growing faster. I love uh, Indiana. Warmer I love the places. State. I love everything about this I state. believe Indiana... Or not Indiana. I think Indiana University uh, put out a county by county map this week of population growth or decline, hmm. um, and it's really based upon you know Indiana as as a whole isn't growing, growing. Every county isn't growing, but the major municipal areas are what's growing. So Louisville's growing. Chicago, to an extent, is is growing. Lake County isn't, but Porter County is, um, and. Indianapolis and the surrounding area are growing, but the, yep. the state, you know, the rural areas, every, it's not carte blanche that everybody's growing all 92 counties. Henry County actually is trending upward, which is an amazing thing and not by much, but oh, we're actually gaining population right now. Um, just we've seen it, some it, more industrial growth over here. We, we've seen things trending up. Illinois has been struggling, but the state of Indiana has been moving up, but it's not the whole state. It's, it's individual pockets. Mm. Um, so it's just an interesting conversation and you look at a, a major policy like this and it could, this is one of those once in a generation changes, maybe right. once every century changes. If this happened, um, you know, a lot of the policies that we work with now that we talked at the beginning, the top of the show about social, the socialists, 1920 and the new deal. Um, that's, this is the kind of thing you're talking about. It's the, the modern version of that. Yeah. I mean, um, if you think about what it would be like to just, let's say 30 years from now, not have any social security, not, I mean, just, I mean, that's radical. Um, And so if if this gets us to a world like that and less expensive and the safety net that Yang's concerned about, you know, I mean, to me, it's a, uh, these are the kinds of steps we're going to have to take at some point. Uh, I've, I've had a discussion 
you know, when I served on the Memorial Park Board, our biggest cost was labor uh, and and costs associated with people that we had uh, have on staff or had on staff. Legacy costs are something that corporations have been able to get rid of over time with the switching from pensions to four hundred one ks. Government has not done a good job of that, yep. um, and that's the big looming cost that's out there. In fact, government has taken them on and has taken responsibility for them. I would much rather see us just bite the biggest bullet ever and borrow ourselves up to our ears and buy out every single public pension and every social security and get out of that business and be 55 trillion in debt. Uh, Some ridiculous number, but stem the bleeding, pay it down. And then everybody controls their own individual. Is it, that's way too radical to happen. But on a county by county basis, I mean, that's the kind of thing when I, when a company is sold, you get an offer on your pension, right? And you get, you get bought out. That's what happens in the private sector. That's the kind of major step that we need to take from the public policy side. Mm -hmm. And you do that. And all of a sudden you're not, you're not screwing over the next generation as bad. Those are the kinds of things that I want to see happen. But that's, that's as extreme as, you know, that that's, that's not the art of the possible. That's the dream. Yeah. Don't you agree, Chase? So is this uh, wholeheartedly, (laughs) is this like, um, I'm talking about the freedom dividend or UBI, the freedom dividend is a pretty good, spin on the name yeah. i think but um that's it, the that's is yang's this, title for it yeah the freedom yeah. dividend is what he's calling it now um is this uh the most exciting proposal that you're seeing in the upcoming 2020 presidential election yeah i, I you know again i'm just thankful for any talk about policy that's meaningful real and not and just substantial some, yeah a tool to just beat people in the head with just uh, think about how much money you'd have if Gil, all the gill and if gill brand's thing passed and you got 600 bucks for every libertarian in the state yeah of free government money <laughs> if it would change anything. of government coupons <laughs> it's funny when you hear them talk about you know getting money out of politics like that's ever going to happen so yeah. it's like yeah. that's a, that's a pipe dream money is speech so this uh <laughs> this portion of the show talking about universal basic income is going to be a uh or it is right now if you're listening to it a a we are libertarians daily episode so um appreciate you Eric for uh, talking to us about it um if you are listening on the we are libertarians daily portion of the show then you can check out uh, us at bosshogofliberty.com we are a local podcast in Newcastle but uh we like to say we are local stories with a national impact of course this one was obviously much more national than local but Appreciate all your expertise that you brought to this subject for sure, Eric. Yeah, glad to be here. All right. And now we will transition ever so ungracefully to local news. The uh, The city of Newcastle uh, has, uh, in, in the state of Indiana, every four years, So, th- and this is the four-year cycle, so 2015, 2019, and if I could count by fours, I would tell you that it's 2023 <laughs> after that, uh, we have municipal elections. So the city of Newcastle has, I, and, has I, a municipal election. <laughs> I promise not to blow up on the mayor on this one like I did a couple weeks ago. Is he taking your phone calls? Uh, <laughs> did you get pretty hot? I did. I'm but, glad you. I'm glad in all yeah. this driving you do, you still listen to us, Chase. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> the whole point throughout my week is trying to stay awake, Jer. And oh, oh we're not good enough ouch! For you. Bam! <laughs> wow. All right. So they, the city of Newcastle has an election in the fall, but there were no contested primaries. So there is no primary election in uh, – there's no Democrats running against Democrats or Republicans running against Republicans in in the May primary next week. 
so they canceled the primary. It is not happening. So the only election that's happening is in the fall. However, saving us 30 grand. Though. However, yeah, we should do that every time. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> however, we Feel have free a tradition. To chime in when you want, we, Eric, we yeah. have a tradition <laughs> of election. I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. Election day, government employees are not expected to work. City employees, county employees traditionally do not work Which on election fine. days. I'm, I'm fine with them not working on election days. I'd- so th- there's two tricks here, and this is where we really sound like a, I'm, I'm, we're going to sound like dicks. Mm-hmm. First one is that Tuesday of next week Discs. is disc. Discs. <laughs> That's the word. I'm glad it's an audio podcast. Um, it's not an election. It's a primary, right? So the Democrats and the Republicans are picking their candidates. That is private party business that is not an election. It's not election right. day. It's not your civic duty to vote. It's the day that Democrats go and vote for the team Democrat and decide who's representing them in the fall. It's the tank. It's when team elephant goes and decides who's team elephant. And then it doesn't the mean libertarians that, the- that don't have a candidate for commissioner go <laughs> and vote for the most libertarian leaning commissioner. It, that those are the rules that they've, <laughs> they seem to have put in place and the, and the behavior they're encouraging. It's not the day that your trash isn't supposed to get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's, that's what's happened is now next Tuesday, city government is shut down. Yeah. And I look at it and I, so that was an article in the local career uh, times. And I, and, I, I read it and I just yeah. went, what are we doing guys? All of us did that. We were like, it, it was like, <laughs> we looked at it and it was, we were all totally speechless and dumbfounded. It was like, this, are we on, are, are we you, on Mars, Eric? You're, you're not from here. Tell me it, you know, in Clarksville, Indiana and in Scottsburg and Sellersburg, if they didn't have a primary election, would they still shut down city government? I have no idea. Not sure. But if they're not working, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> it's like when the federal government shuts down, we kind of if, celebrate if that. They, if, they, <laughs> if they don't perform, if, if, if there's nobody working at the, uh, at, to pick up my trash, do I well, get, you do know, I get do, Why are you trying to ruin someone's your, your vacation Your trash time? is always going to be picked well, up. Okay. My trash is always going to be picked if, up. If, if they're they're not see gonna... suckers like uh, Chris Guffey over here in the yeah, producer's see? desk. Yeah. Our building here has trash service. Oh, that's true. Uh, we're we're in the city here, buddy. Dang uh, it, I don't want ants, Mr. Mayor. If, uh, Come on, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> do you want ants? Because this is how you get ants. What what happens if, if somebody wants to pay their water bill that day? Yeah. I'm a water. I'm a city water customer. I pay for city sewers. What if city they want to put in a public records request because they are uh, skeptical about where the money's going on 14th on the 1400 Plaza? Can't go to and the I, mayor's office and request I, it. Then can't. I don't want to. What if you want to change be, your name? I don't, you do that at the county. Yeah, that's, you have to do that damn. in the court. <laughs> <laughs> really thought I was it's going so somewhere close, there. Chase, so close. Oh, of course, there's like four different levels of government, Chase. There's county, there's city, there's township, there's federal. You don't know where to go. What's the difference between city hall and town hall? I don't know. They're a block apart. Um, <laughs> one of them's not open on Mondays. Um, one, we're 20% of the way there, people. Um, <laughs> the so But, the, but you come across like a dick because you're stealing a day off from a city employee. Well, yeah, How that's, dare you do this? Well, that was the... Uh, that was, the defense that the go- that the governor, the mayor, the governor uh, of the city, yeah, the governor, of the, the city, emperor, uh, that was the defense that Mayor Greg York gave. He said, uh, "Well, we already had this in the calendar. This was uh, added to the calendar at the beginning of the year. This uh, Tuesday, May the seventh, was going to be a day off for fake the primary election, election. election day." Um, 
so we're just going to go ahead and honor that that the because the city employees already expected it. So we're just going to give it to him off. Anyway. I think it's a good idea. So personally, you- okay, hear me out. So when I hear that I'm getting off at a certain time mm-hmm. and I expect to get off at that time and then I have to and work you, later. You call Katie and you're like, I'm very, I expected to get off. I'm very pissy <laughs> and I don't do a very good job that day. <laughs> so if I expected to get this day off and then I have to work because some prick Jeremiah is throwing a fit about it. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do a good job that day. I just, oh, yeah. I want to have, have the conversation about – so I, I'm expected in the private sector. I have – I'm told I get – you know, we'll say I get eight holidays a year and I get 14 vacation days or something. Whatever that number is, everybody negotiates that for themselves with their employer. I want to know if it is a, hey, everybody's using one of their holidays on this date and you get eight holidays a year or 11 holidays a year and this is one of the scheduled holidays. If that's the policy, then okay. But if it's just a, hey, here's a bonus day off because it's election day and it's been in place because the guys that make the rules need the Democrat vote to turn out and the UAW hall would have the guys go down, then there's something wrong with that and we need to have that discussion. If it's not administered that way and the, the, the way to look at that is, okay, in 2017 when there was no election whatsoever, no state elections, no county elections, no city elections, did they have the same number of days off? Right? Did they have the same number of days, and they took away a holiday somewhere else, and that's and that's mm-hmm. where they laid it, they overlaid it? Or in these three out of four years, are there two more days where you're not getting city services? That's where I've got an issue, or I want to have a discussion. Yeah. And I I really think that it's something that should be discussed, and not just assumed that you, those days are given off. And I, I, once again, I, 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 I sound like a terrible person because I'm robbing some, you know. 40 employees or whatever yeah, it is. The are, guy, the guy that cuts the grass. I, 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 well, let's embrace it then at this point, Chase. This is a bigger issue, right? That's what we already alluded to, which is that why are we paying for primaries anyway? I mean, if the Democrats want to meet on a Thursday night at, you know, an at arena their office, and, right. at their office and pick candidates, that's the way it should be. And we shouldn't mm-hmm. be paying for that. We, we uh, brought this up last year and it was uh, all of us, well, Four of us in this room went to the Libertarian Party of Indiana convention in Fort Wayne this year, right? That was a one heck of a drive for you, by the way. But anyway, we all went there this year, and if we had, to, and we were selecting candidates from some unaffiliated counties, um, Steve Smith for mayor of Muncie and Brantley Spicer for city council in Muncie and Delaware County. Uh, since they are in an unaffiliated county, the state voted to select them as candidates. If this was last year, we went to the convention and all of the members of the party voted to select Lucy Brenton for the, uh, the United States Senate candidate for the Libertarian Party of, I- party of Indiana. We did that on our own dime. We paid for it out of pocket as a as the private club that the that a party is right. You, if you are a member of the Republican party, then you get to make the decision, right. Of, of, uh, who I'm going to have re- represent me in the general election, not, uh, Tom, Dick and Harry that just decides to go pull a ballot because the city and the County and the state is paying for you to have the resources to go and participate in this private party business. I mean, that's a larger issue. 
Yeah, for sure. But I hear, it's, I hear it's, you on the holiday too. City county, <laughs> city council candidate uh, Guffy, do you have any any commentary on this, or are you you going to dodge this one as a politician? Uh, I'm going to take the Greg Pence and just watch it. Submarine, submarine. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel about strategy? wind farms? He's just whispering over here. He's got no. <laughs> He's comment. muted himself. Yeah, He's, I muted myself. That's Greg um, Pence. No, I'd actually have to look into it. I I, I kind of I see where you're coming from, Jer, as far as. If they already say they get 11 holidays and we just take a holiday and then we use this as a holiday for them. And then another year we just give them St. Patty's Day off so they can go drink. Right. That's a separate issue yeah. than if they had 11 and then on this or year they if get they have 12. 10 and now we're giving them 11. Yeah. yeah. It's a different issue that I'd have to look into. Uh, Brenda Grider's in the chat. Maybe she could drop a little information for us or... Uh, the uh, current city councilman Aaron Dickin is as well. Um, at least they say they were. So. Yeah, they jump in and out. It, you never know. I don't know. It, it's just we, once again, it's one of those things that just happens, and it's a, it's a, it's read into the record, and nobody really talks about it. And I right. think this is the time you're, you're in an election season. This is the time to have these discussions. And if if this is what we want to do, it's just like the theater downtown. If if the people of the county and the people of the city. Say, hey, I want to have the city own another building, and we want the city to develop this theater downtown, and they're going to own it, and we all vote for it, and we knew what was going on. Then okay, I can live with that. Oh, that's a but direct democracy, a, man. That's a, just mob rule. I don't. If it's a, I don't want these idiots making decisions no, for you, everybody. You ran on <laughs> you, you ran, these these people ran on the platform of this is what we're going to do, and mm-hmm. you were fully aware. And then okay, that's fine. So let's have the conversation and let's have the election about it. And then if this is what we want and this is what we're voting for, and let's talk about it. But let's not just blindly vote for Greg for the third time because we always vote for Greg and there's nobody running against him. And then whatever the hell happens, happens. Let's talk about the issues. That's what the elections are for. Right. That's, that's my opinion. But, and, I'm know, just, okay. but I'm just a guy. Yeah. I don't even live in the city. It's my opinion I as well. I have low taxes All and right, so less regulation. It, uh, it sounds like the boss hog of liberty is becoming – take a dump on the the mayor's administration show at the very end he's, for the past few weeks. He's on the ballot. Yeah, but I, 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 I do want to make clear that I don't have anything against Greg York personally at all. I just have an issue with some some different ideas and policy proposals and things that he has done while he is in office that I, I think that more people don't know about because I do believe that there's a lack of transparency in the city of Newcastle government. Uh, so at the longer, the more terms you have in office, the more it becomes, this is what we do and this is the way we do it. And we've always done it. And this is the way we operate. Yeah. And every cycle that you continue to elect the same folks, you just get in this, well, this is the routine. Well, and you know, it's not, there's every- a, I, I heard there's a really good paper on this that was written by, a young student who was uh, getting his PhD from Texas A&M. It's a dissertation on the determinants of uh, tenure and term limits. Uh, that might that might lend its hand to some of the the reasons of what we're seeing in Newcastle, even. But talking about getting more comfortable with spending and more comfortable in your position, and you can do what you feel like, and that yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the main thing is back to just a standard thing in public choice economics, which is that people just don't pay much attention. You know, they're rational. You know, it's not a very friendly phrase, but public choice economists say voters are rationally ignorant and apathetic. And it's rational because you got one vote and a hundred bucks you might give to somebody. It's just not worth your time to learn about stuff or if you know about it to do anything about it. So uh, politicians are re- rewarded for keeping things not so, you know, opaque, uh, to keep it opaque, to it's, hide it's the It's none cost. of your business. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Just trust me. But. 
If we gave everyone $600. <laughs> and six votes each. That would change everything. <laughs> All right. We need to wrap up the show and get to our final thoughts portion. We'll start uh, start with the guy who just returned. Uh, Chase, are I, you? I have two final thoughts. Okay. Good. Have you been watching Game of Thrones? No, no, I don't. I, I don't have access to it. Oh yeah, Guffy was hoping you somebody have, would talk about this real? with him. Yeah, for real. I don't have access to it. And I, I usually yeah, I've been watching the final season. I usually we what we usually do. do we is in my wife do you and need I access we, to mine. I have HBO now. I bought it just for the. Listen, season. I don't want to mess up my system now. I'm like, I, like I've already missed like three episodes. I do. What we typically that. do is we wait until it's all done. Yeah, but then you get spoiled. Then we, then we get it on on Vudu. <laughs> And then we just and they can binge it. Yeah, and then How we binge watch this? it. How about I just give you my password? I don't want it. Is what I'm telling just, you. The season's half over. You can just binge the the three episodes. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to do that. I w- I want to binge them all You're, at once. It's all going to be spoiled. No, it's not. I just don't read anything. I'm about, about to the spoil it for you. <laughs> sure, am. right now. Chris, what do you think of the last episode? Okay. No, no details. But what do you think? I if, if if we lose a Patreon member over you two spoiling something, was, I swear to God, it's been the out. Suspensions it's been out real. for a week. Okay. Yeah. Suspensions <laughs> are going to be very real. <laughs> no, uh, I actually, I, I very much enjoyed it. I was disappointed. I was very disappointed. I I enjoyed it, but I was disappointed in the fact that there was not none of the main characters that I thought were going to die yeah. off died off. <laughs> like there's, no, it's just like there's you know, no reason. A couple of them should still be alive, and I wanted, I really wanted some White Walker one-on-one battles with the main characters. Well, see, okay, yeah. nerds, nobody knows what here's, I'm talking about. And he, here's hold on, real quick. Here's what's interesting about this last season is that I've read all of the books. Right, I, I'm that guy, and that goes to the party and says, Frickin you know, I, I read the books before they came a TV show, but there's not a book on this last season. No, George R. So, R. R. Martin's right now. I'm yeah, going to like be walking into years. this season totally blind. I'm not going to know anything. I've I've enjoyed it. It's just this last episode didn't go the way I wanted it. Yeah. To. Well, you know, for seven years, <laughs> seven well, seven seasons, Game of Thrones has always been built on we are going to mass murder the entire character slot. The people yes. that like, you love the most, yeah, we're you, going you to kill love them the most, and they're yeah. going to die. And then that th- didn't this really huge happen. Battle this comes time. along, and it's like. Well, I heard that Arya was. Everyone okay. thought Arya was going to die, but then I can't. she didn't. I we just can't anymore. Well, yeah, you want us to get into that? Cause no, 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 we have no time. We have Ooh. we have people right. here. You've met Arya. What is it? What is your second? You've met Arya, right? Yeah, I, I met Massey Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second thing, real quick, is have you seen the new Avengers movie? Yes, I haven't seen any of the Avengers movies. It was pretty dope. Christy, Christy is uh, here for oh. the autographs. Oh, and wait, here wait. Chris giving physical threats. I have seen it. Oh, you have seen it. But I still okay. think it's rude to give spoilers. <laughs> so what's going on here? You have to watch the video. The, this for beautiful <laughs> shirt right here. Uh, Eric, so, anyways, are, are you familiar with any of these programs? Are you are you up to speed on any of this? I haven't watched any Game of Thrones. I've watched most most of the Avengers movies. Yeah. Game of Thrones is it? You you would like the um, the cultural discourse that happens in Game of Thrones. There's. The first couple of seasons are a little bit pornographic in nature. <laughs> if that, I don't. It, it takes away from the actual show. I think HBO was trying to go for more of the naked women. So, like, watch our show. I'll spoil it, one thing it for gets you. It gets into Dakota. the actual plot because I, I saw something a couple weeks ago. 
and it was like Game of Thrones fans are okay with incest because you know Jamie and Cersei and Cersei they're like they think that's kind of hot but Arya has sex in this oh my this last season mm-hmm. and people are flipping out about it and she's just this 18 year old girl but I, you've seen her grow up so you, you see her as a 10 year old and now she has a sex yeah. scene and you're like well, my life is better for knowing this now. Yes. I've been enjoying right, I've, been, I've been enjoying Veep and 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 uh Barry. Do you like Barry cuz I've been Barry. thinking about getting Barry. Barry is that. great. Yeah, Barry is In very the Davis fun. household, we've been binge watching the old Twilight Zones. Mm. There we go. Well, if you want to watch the final Classics. season Dakota, just let me know. Barry's Barry's well worth it. And I'm I don't want to watch it yet. I I own all the other seasons, so I I just want to own season 8 as well and binge it and watch them at the same time. All right. Uh, Guffy, final thoughts? Anything? Uh, I've been going to my nephew. He's six. I've been going to his Little League games. And I don't know if he just got on one of the best teams, but they literally crush <laughs> every opponent. Are you uh, are you betting on Little League baseball now? Do you have some... I can't find anybody <laughs> to take any action. Uh, there's a guy I know. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy. I got a guy for you. Perfect. <laughs> my way. We'll work on this. Right. We're going to become the bookies of the Little League That's, world. Hey, man. listen, I've I've watched I've watched grown men bet on middle middle school basketball, so I'm pretty sure we could see somebody take some action. On, and it looks like the Little on, League on, on the Newcastle Cardinals. Reds versus the Newcastle Cubs. The Reds are up. Uh, the under over. The Cubs are favored by three. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will say why I've been going to these. I've I've bumped into the mayor several times. He is actually a coach of one of the teams. Uh, in other and I'm just waiting. News. I'm just waiting. Does he nephews. hate you now? Are you guilty of association? Is his no. team any good? I, I haven't seen him play. I'm just waiting till we play him, and then I'm hoping we crush him <laughs> like we do everybody else. <laughs> in other coaching news, co-host Ouch. Danny is uh, coaching T-ball in Knightstown, so we got that going for us. Eric, that's this is the way we do final thoughts. I it's a uh, it's whatever we forgot, and then if you're binge watching something, want to okay. pitch it, you're welcome <laughs> to do that too. Uh, pop culture reference. There's, if you're into pop culture, society, politics, the kind of stuff you guys seem to be interested in, there's a great book by Justra and Wilkinson, and it's one chapter on each of these shows. And basically, how does it relate to That's culture? Society? Cool. I would actually it's love got that. apocalypse, uh, and survival in the title, but I forget the name of it, but hmm. Justra and Wilkinson, really nice little book. Very cool. And then for the zombie apocalypse, I uh, just recommend wearing a lot of leather because they can't chew through that. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Noted. Uh, and, and Twinkies. And, and get broadheads for your crossbow because in The Walking Dead, they he just uses the regular training arrows. Uh, but that's even, not going to really kill a zombie. Don't use a crossbow because that just takes forever to load. No, have you ever shot a crossbow? I have a crossbow, but it's a lot harder to load than a... Hey, you want to go... Are we going to crossbow fish Saturday? But You and I are going fishing. We got our mandate. Crossbows are... We just can't. Never get mind. Caught. We're not going to get into the semantics of zombie killing on this show. I That's think not we can kill cro- carp with crossbows. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's called crossfish. <laughs> <laughs> I love going by a crossfit place and they're carrying big steel tires, steel wheels down the road. Uh, saw it. Saw it in California again. Uh, Eric, if, we, if people want to follow you, find you on Facebook. They look you yeah, up. Facebook's uh, fine. The little googling. What? Uh, what's the best way to follow your work? Yeah, Facebook's probably the best way. All right, and we've got him. And I've got mind. Sean's blog. I post on that occasionally. Sean's blog. Yeah. That's a good name for a blog. Yep. He's an early blogger. He got it first. He's Sean. Uh, so he got his <laughs> blog. Uh, Dakota, final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts are, first of all, thank you, Eric, for coming on the show and talking to us about UBI. It was a really good episode. Um, as soon as Jeremiah sent me the the Facebook post, because you put it out on Facebook first, the, and 
I wrote it. It was like, we have to get this guy on, on the show because it'd be a great episode. And it was, it was a really good show. Good. Um, and second of all, uh, I want to talk a little bit about a man named, um, Bjorn Lomborg. Oh, yeah. Um, you know him? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, do you know him specifically? Like, I haven't met oh, him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But he's a great guy on climate science. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Uh, talking about climate science. He, he's done a lot of work for the UN and uh, doing, uh, developing and doing a ranked choice system of ways that the world can improve. And what's interesting is he's talked a lot about climate, but, uh, is not in, is saying, uh, we don't need to focus on this quite yet. There's a lot of other areas that, um, the United Nations and uh, individual countries specifically can be putting their money. Um, really, really interesting to listen to and, uh, to read some of the stuff he's put out. So I would suggest literally everyone that's listening to this podcast to check out, uh, Bjorn Lomborg and listen to that because it's quite educational. Yeah, he's not, he, he believes that we have, uh, global warming, but he just right. thinks it's a low priority compared to 50 other things. Yeah. Opportunity cost, basically. We're going to spend money. That's not a top that's, priority. That's not what we're yeah. That's the issue to solve. It was, uh, it, it, he's, he's been really good to listen to. Uh, great. So, Bjorn, if you're listening to this, and uh, please reach out. And if you're, you can fly over from Copenhagen and <laughs> have you on the show. <laughs> yeah. our, our door is always open. We can do a Skype call. No, no, he has to show up. Uh, we make we made Doctor Schonsberg show up, so I haven't paid Bjorn's the phone bill. Come so. in too. Yeah, yeah, the phone's not working apparently. Very good. Um, all right, so uh, next week's show is on a Wednesday, May eighth. Uh, Sean Rao is going to be That's with right. us, uh, our favorite defense attorney, uh, and we are going to talk about uh, college tuition. Uh, another policy that was uh, brought about was uh, some tuition reform or a tuition uh, reimbursement or discounting uh, program uh, from Elizabeth student Warren loan student loan forgiveness uh so subsidizing uh public education or subsidizing education from the federal government uh so we're going to have that discussion uh looking into uh what uh Elizabeth Warren has uh brought forward and I think maybe we're going to overlay that or look at that compared to uh Mitch Daniels and some of the things they've done at Purdue and some other areas uh so it's going to be a fascinating conversation um looking uh, looking forward to that with uh, with Sean uh, month of May, we're here. Uh, it's uh, I'm wearing my wing and wheels shirt, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If you need me, I'll be there next weekend, Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Uh, I'm going to be camping with uh, with the, all of the Burchams, our Grand Prix folks, the Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very excited to uh, to go see some Indy cars. Uh, so uh, month of May in Indy, Grand Prix of Indianapolis. I'll be out there with the Burchams camping uh, and the Potters and the Morals. We're going to have a good old oh, time. Going camping with Zach? Yeah, he's going to be there. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we'll be visiting each other. Uh, Wonderful. There's only a handful of camp folks that are camping in the infield and we're, we're all out there. So we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, and then uh, qualifying is the weekend after. And then the, the greatest spectacle in racing quarter million people, uh, myself and chase and others will be, uh, be partying. <laughs> I know. I, I, know uh, I'm, I'm, I won't be there. Not going to make it. You're going to take your Florida I'm, trip. Uh, I'm going to Georgia. There you go. Georgia. Nice. Good for you. I uh, am. I'm so dedicated to Chris Guffey's campaign that I, I will be sacrificing the Indy 500 to go to the Memorial Day parade. Well, they're on different days. The race is on Sunday. The parade's on Monday. Oh, snap. <laughs> it's conceivable. I know that. Now. If it's I went to the Indy 500, 
Hold on. I, the reason listen. that Jeremiah has never been to the Memorial Day Parade. Your excuse? <laughs> it's conceivable. I had a great that I time last five hundreds. <laughs> no, it was a lot I of make, fun. I make no guarantees, but uh, I had tequila it is gummy bears. It was life changing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's worth your time. So anyway, check that out. the uh, The Oaks is tomorrow down in uh, down in Louisville. And uh, the Derby is on uh, on Saturday, so get to also, a racetrack this month. Reminder, everyone, your your Elks due for the year. Elks dues for the year were due uh, April first. So I sent mine in, and they've not cashed my check yet. So yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means. We're in the same boat here. <laughs> <laughs> our, our plan of making that payment maybe just didn't work out. All right, that's uh, that's enough of this. It's been fun. Thank you guys very much, uh, Patreon folks. Some of you have made it in here, and you're going to get your book signed. Others. Uh, well, we tried. <laughs> we're trying to add value, and uh, we're searching, trying to trying to make sure that you guys have a reason uh, to participate. Uh, obviously, you you give because you uh, you enjoy the show, and we're very appreciative of that. But we also want to try to find ways to uh, to grow that base, and uh, we're trying to uh, trying to create opportunities for uh, for you guys to get additional value. So, uh, I will say, um, I do with the Patreon members. I do want to try to get us all together and go to an Indians game. So if that's something you guys might be interested in, just shoot me a message and we can get some numbers together. And, and you're going to start to herd the cats. I'm going to herd the cats. All right. Look B-H-O-L for the, uh, at the uh, Indians. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to spell out Indians, but I was like, I'm going to mess yeah. it up and yeah. Church is <laughs> going to make fun of me. All <laughs> right. That's enough of this. Thank you guys very much. We will see you next week. Zach, come on by. We'll be here. All right. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network, and I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.